talk about this morning. Grace, say grace. grace. Reigning in life, say reigning in life. And if you've got your Bibles, your notebooks, and just a short message this morning because the kids are in the house. I want to pray for some people after because I just believe that we need to just pray for some people directly after. So give me, uh, Lisa, can you start playing about 20 minutes into this? Can you, can you start doing something on that keyboard? Where is she? There she is. She's, she's waiting for an interview. She's, she's, she's waiting. <laughs> the Bible is full of wonderful promises of victory for the Christian. And the Bible says in Romans 5.17, this is, just, if you can, just jot these scriptures down because I want to fly through them this morning. And last week was fantastic, but now we're on the other side of the cross. Where did the cross go? Uh, it's, it's, it's finished. Okay, it's finished. So the cross is gone. And 5.17 says, and you'll pick out the, the statement here that I want to focus on, reign in life. Say reign in life. And we need to understand this, that the message is about this. It's about understanding that grace now has been released from the cross and it's grace that we need to receive by faith to live this great life. So there is grace available. Uh, the old version was do religion and earn your way the privilege of being accepted by God. But no, when Christ crucified, was crucified on the cross, now we're in Graceland. I'm not talking about Elvis living in Graceland, but I'm talking about you living in Graceland, in the land of grace. So we need to just qualify that a little bit and just get a little handle on that, but understanding that the kids are in the house. So I really want you to get this, and just like a little bit of teaching, just jot this down. This is a little bit of teaching, then I'll then I'll get into some other groovy stuff. 5.17 says, reigning in life. Can you find that statement in there, in all that scripture? I haven't got time to read it all through, but the last, see the last third sentence there. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So Adam blew it. He abdicated all the re responsibility and the authority that was given unto him. He blew it. He slipped up. He allowed Eve and him. They blew it, and they were kicked out of the presence kicked out of the, and then here comes religion. Now we've got to earn our, we've got to appease God through the law, through the law. But who knows the law is still active, but the law is being dealt with on the cross. So that's a bit of theology. We won't expand on that. It'll get you confused. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And also God, 2 Corinthians 2.14 God always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And you could say that these seem like wild, wild claims, but the Bible is absolutely right. God wants us to reign, to conquer, and to triumph. They're the words in those scriptures, reigning, conquering, and triumph. Who believes that we, we succeeded this morning in reaching God? That we, because we've got authority now to kick the barn door down, of the things that would come around our life to stop us reaching God, we declare with authority invested in us, one of the key things that the New Testament talks about is that you've been authorized, deputized by the courts of Calvary. Who can say amen to that? And so now we have authority to change the atmosphere in our homes, to change the atmosphere in this church. So this atmosphere can be just sort of, okay, sirrah, sirrah, but then it can be optimized with collective faith and authority and anointing, and we can declare God is in the house. Amen? 
God is here. And it takes faith to do that. But it takes grace, release from Christ. Who likes winning? Who likes losing? Who likes winning, firstly? Who likes losing? (laughs) Who likes overcoming circumstances? Who likes to be an overcomer? Who likes bills being paid for? (laughs) Amen. Who likes disease being healed in Jesus' name? Amen. Who likes being able to win at board games? <laughs> who, who likes to win at the tennis, the golf, and, uh, you know, who, who's a bit of a winner? And they, get, you know, they can get a little bit narky about it too. Uh, but that's the winning spirit because you are born to rule and reign in Christ. So there could be a little bit of a transference back into the world. But that's cool. I love it. Isaiah 43, verse 16 I like winning. I love winning. I love winning. I love coming back from behind. Who loves playing these games when you can come back from behind? And, and you know, you just don't give up. But you push through and eventually you win. Oh, I used to love that in tennis. That was fantastic. There is a new day upon us. Thank you, Jesus, through the cross of Calvary. Isaiah 43, verse 16 says, This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters... Isaiah 43, verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? The new thing is the new covenant. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Although this world can be desolate and void of God and of His presence and of His grace, guess what? We're reclaiming this land and dispossessing. Dispossessing is like taking over dispossessing darkness. Wyong was known to be a dark place in the 80s. Someone uh, was asking me back in the 80s, you live in Wyong? Why would you live there when there's plenty of other nice suburbs on the coast? I said, I don't know why I'm living there. I didn't realize what I was buying into. But after three, four years, the climate changed, the atmosphere changed because people were praying and the church got on fire and united and seven churches came together in Wyong. That's right. The Uniting Seventh-day Adventists, the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church all came around and did a prayer walk around this city and declared Nehemiah's wall around it and declared this city belongs to Jesus. And from that day and ever since all the the great stuff that we've done together and the, co- the, co- the combined services that we've done and the prayer together we've done, things began to change. And now, Wyong is probably one of the best places to live on the Central Coast in terms of its spiritual atmosphere because there is an open heaven over this place. We're called to dispossess nations. That means cancel out sin, cancel out death, cancel out all these curses and bring in the goodness of God through the schools, through the marketplace, through the streets of Wyong. Who believes in that sort of stuff? Who believes that's possible through prayer? Prayer is so critical to that. So one day we've got to decide to be an overcomer and rule and reign in Christ, meaning understanding the victory won by Christ on the cross. You know what? Most of the time, most of the time, in the kingdom of God as Christians, we perish through lack of knowledge, understanding, and revelation. Hosiah 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Say lack of knowledge. 
One of the key new things that Christ accomplished through the cross was the new covenant as opposed to the old covenant. The old covenant was a lot of laws. Reaching to God, being accepted by God, being cleansed by God through ritual, through religion we call it, that was set up by God to appease God in His righteousness. When Christ died on the cross though, He paid for that religious stuff. He paid for the curse of the law. The law is still with us, but the law has been paid for. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus paid the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for everything the law was trying to attain to or, or obtain through us. Jesus said, it is finished. I've done it. I've taken the law under myself. I've taken the curse under myself. All the sins, everything, I've taken it under myself. And in that, Jesus was saying, now it's a new day. It's a new covenant. I'm releasing a new season of this, of grace. Say grace. It's grace. And it's grace land that we're living in. So it's a new spiritual season of grace. Now with grace, we can access His holiness, His righteousness, His strength, His power, His prosperity. All that can be accessed now in grace. Grace has that. By faith, we acquire it. Give me a scripture, okay? Bible says those who reign in life are those who receive God's abundant grace. Uh, this could be in Romans 5.17. We don't reign in life by what we accomplish. That's the law. Some people actually have a propensity to go back to the law because we all do. We, we understand that maybe we can appease God by some of the clever things that we can do in our life, even through some of the good things that we do in our life, through prayer and even giving and being sanctified. I'm a disciplined person, so I will show you my righteousness through my discipline. I will show you my holiness through my right mind, my right life. But actually, that's not going to work. That accomplishment through that is only going to make matters worse. So let's look at this. Romans 5.17, Paul says it like this, For by the trespass of one man, death reigned through the one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace? I love this. God's abundant provision of grace. And the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, who is Christ Jesus. So this righteousness that we're looking for, to be accepted, to feel significant, to feel that God loves us, likes us, that God is for us, all that is found in Christ. It's not found in you accomplishing stuff through your duty, through your disciplines. It's all about you having faith and saying, Jesus, I receive the grace of righteousness. I receive the grace of righteousness unto my life. And then all of a sudden, man, you feel like you're this child of God. You honestly feel that you are one of his precious ones. It's a beautiful thing. It is the way, John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. So it's just a little bit of teaching. These spiritual laws, though, they're still about us. But Jesus fulfilled the law, Matthew 5.17. Do we have that one? Matthew 5.17 would tell us that. Uh, Romans 6.14, For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Say this, I am not under the law, 
I am under grace. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the curse of the law. When we got saved, he set us free from the demands of the law. And the law, in simple terms, could be religion. But spiritual laws that affect us for good or bad. Spiritual laws that are still applicable even now. But you can try and be righteous through the laws, or you can try and be righteous through the grace of God. Who wants to have righteousness through the grace of God? It's too hard the other way, trust me. People slashing themselves, whipping themselves. I saw another movie, God, no, a, a monk carrying this big heavy burden up a mountain. What was that? It's just vaguely in my mind. He, he, this was a, a, a paying penance, penance to God, walking as a monk, walking this heavy thing uh, up, up a mountain. It could have been a cross, I don't know. But this was a way that he was trying to appease God. Some starved to death. Uh, others, uh, in hundreds of years ago, lived on these poles in these little huts. Imagine a cubby house as tall as that roof, a pole with a little cubby house, and you had these monks, these praying monks that lived up there, and they lived up there. They lowered their, their waist down, they lifted up their food, and they lived abstaining from the world. Does that sound like religion to you? <laughs> That's real incidences of people living, trying to, trying to uh, appease God through that. It's an unfortunate thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he did take the curse of the law. When we got saved, he set us free from the demands of the law. In fact, we are placed in Christ. Romans 10, 4 says, Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Righteousness. I love that. And I, that's why, basically, I think you can feel good straight up. And I want to teach a little bit of that at the end. Romans 7, 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, that is Jesus, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit. Say bear fruit. Bear fruit is one of the key things that we're talking about this year. Bearing fruit. And one of the key, one of the key ways to bear fruit is to appropriate this, what is it? Abundance of grace. If you can take that grace unto yourself, all this righteousness, all this strength and power and glory, all this anointing, all this provision, all this prosperity, all this breakthrough anointing, if you can take that unto yourself by faith, that's the day when you can produce fruit in God. So it's not a righteousness unto you, it's God's righteousness in you. Do you understand that? God's righteousness in you. Love this stuff. Somehow Paul tells us through the New Testament that Jesus qualifies us by this price and the law has been paid for, religion's been dealt with. Religion will not produce the fruit that God requires. We will not bear fruit under that law. Paul says, if a law has been given, this is Galatians 3.21, if a law has been given that could impart life, if the law could impart life, this scripture is saying, righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But it, it can't impart life. <laughs> the law does not impart life. Religion does not impart life. I know who does impart life and how it's done. Jesus said, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life, John 6:63. The words of Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus is life. And that's why we receive the words and the New Testament, but the words of Jesus, and we receive the, receive the Spirit of Jesus, and that is what produces 
life. He exhorted to his disciples and John 15 verse 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It must remain in Jesus, in his presence, in his word, in his spirit. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You must remain in the house. You must remain planted. You must remain in the spirit. In faith, you must stand and keep standing, the Bible says, in that place. He doesn't want us to be impregnated with the letter of the law because the letter kills. He wants us to be impregnated with his spirit because the spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3.6 Ezekiel 36.26 is most powerful scripture for me. And it's one I used to quote all the time. It's Ezekiel 36, 26. You should highlight it. It's some um, theology there about the coming day of the new covenant and what would happen when Christ would pay this price and release a whole dispensation of time called grace and release His Spirit. Jesus became the temple. He became the priest. He became the sacrifice. And then He released the Holy Spirit to us which enables us to partake of this grace. And I love this scripture. And this is a prophecy. Yes, it is. It's a prophecy of a future day that is upon us right now. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. So now, people don't, don't appropriate God by just mental ascension or by these religious duties. But now God says, I'm going to give you a heart to be able to take my spirit in and I'm going to write on the tablet of your heart my word, my laws, my, my heart, my vision for you. I'm going to impregnate your heart. I'm nearly done. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you. If you want to know what the Presence Conference is about and what this church is about, it's about receiving the Holy Spirit. It's about receiving this Holy Spirit. Verse 27, And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Verse 28, You will live in the land I give you, gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God and I will save you from all your uncleanliness. Man, there's so much in there. We're going to be able to live in the kingdom. We're going to be able to follow the, the, the word. We're going to be able to live in obedience to God. But we're going to be able to be cleansed, sanctified, all because that we receive this Holy Spirit into our life. We receive the Holy Ghost into our hearts. And now our heart is beating in Christ, in God, in the Spirit of God. My heart is in God. That's a different thing than just trying to follow rules and regulations. Jesus, He paid for all those rules and regulations. It's a done deal. Must stop trying to please God by His rules. Jesus said, I am the way. John 14, verse 6. We don't need another way. We certainly don't need a way to the way. I think the next thing that I'll have to talk about later is, is through faith because Paul is saying in this scripture, Philippians 3, 9, he says this. Paul is saying, I'm refusing to believe that this righteousness is of my own. And he says this. Uh, righteousness. Uh, righteous, have you got that scripture? and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. So Paul is saying, I just haven't got clever. And because I know the, now the teachings of Jesus and I've given my, my life to Him, 
This is not a righteousness under my, my own. No, he says this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So ultimately, we've got we've to really hammer that faith subject after this. Here's grace. Here's its abundance. Here's all it can do. Here's what it wants to do. From I keep pointing here because that was where the cross was. But on the other side of the cross now, the victory has been, been won. Here's all this grace. Here's all this supernatural power, supernatural anointing, supernatural provision. Here it all is, but you will never get it and never appropriate it if you don't have faith. Because it says there, through faith, through faith in Christ, the righteousness comes from God and it is by faith. Our relationship with Christ is not based on the law, but on faith and grace. We've been discharged from the law and that's why we should be happy. Romans 8.1 Therefore there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You wouldn't, you'd be surprised, Garth, how many people feel condemned when they let their guard down, when they do something silly during the week. They come into the house and they can't access God. They can't pray now. They can't even come to church. They can't, they can't feel God. They can't feel His smile on, the, on, 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 on their life. They can't feel the countenance of His love. And they get themselves on the outer. But help me, the Bible says, Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I speak that to your life right now in Jesus' name. Look at the early church, Acts 4.33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. I heard one commentator said, this grace is like a big vault. It's like a big vault. It's like... Wow. And the riches, the riches of God's kingdom, God's victory is all in that place. God's victory, God's power, God's life, it's all in there. But one of the key things, lastly, is how to renew your mind and how to renew your self-image and believe that this is all true. People suffer an inferiority complex and if you would understand this, again, in Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free. Maybe that's why we were singing, maybe God understood, set me free from the law of sin and death. You can stand so cute in God, so right in God. If you accept this grace... You don't have to feel like, oh, Pastor Phil, he's better than me, Julie. They're better than me. I'm just here out in the back paddocks. No, man, you can stand boldly with a glean in your eye, with a faith in your heart, with a joy in your mouth, with a praise. You should, man, it's all done. It doesn't depend upon what you're doing. It's about having faith in grace. Number one. Capture and rid yourself of every thought that condemns you or makes you feel inferior. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive 
every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray that, Father, I take captive every argument, every pretension, every vain imagination. I take it captive to make it obedient to Christ. I am set free. I am graced. I am blessed. And I am loved by God. And I declare that there is no condemnation in my life. Number two, believe that the love that God has for you, I mean the unconditional love, not the love that depends on how much you prayed, how much you gave, how much church you did. Understand this, 1 John 4, 16. And so we now rely on the love of God has for us in God. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Three, believe that God has a destiny plan for your life. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen guys, believe in your destiny. It's not about how good you can get. It's about just availing yourself to God, to the kingdom, to the church, to the work. God, man, I'm beat up. Maybe it's time to get over that and just say, God, here I am. This is the best I am. This is the best of who I am. I'm doing my PB, someone say, my personal best. I'm doing my PB, Jason. I'm doing my PB, man. God loves me. Number three, believe that God has a destiny plan for your life. I said that. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Four, remove the limitations from your mind. Psalm 78 verse 40. 40. Psalm 78 verse 40. How often they rebelled against him in the heart and grieved him in the wasteland. This is a powerful scripture. It's about the Israelites, the children of God. Just after they saw the, 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 the sea open up and they escaped the great exodus, they still had this, I don't know about you, but after that, I'd be a done deal. I'd be serving God, living for God for the rest of my days. But these guys, human condition, human nature, again and again, they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78 verse 42. They did not remember His power. The power of His grace we're talking about. The power of what He paid for on the cross of Calvary is what I'm talking about this morning. The day He redeemed them from the oppressor, he did not, they did not remember Him. They forgot His power. Father, help us not forget Your Son's victory, that we can be ruling and reigning and triumphant and conquer circumstances through the victory of the cross. Jesus, I have allowed myself to think that, Lord, your power is not available. And I'm asking right now that you'd forgive me, that I've grieved you, that I've grieved the Holy Spirit. It's a destiny key, guys. As long as you sit back not believing God's power in your life, you'll never know who you really are or who you could be. Get out there. Take some risks. Push the limits back. The glory goes before you if only I could get strong enough or good enough Philippians 4.11 I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. Lord, I'm troubled, I'm beat up, I've got things in a mess, I've got things out of skew. Lord, I don't feel I can serve you, I don't feel like I can rightly worship you, praise you. I don't feel like I can come to church. I don't feel like I can present myself on behalf of you. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through Him. The Bible says I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Six, lastly, rejoice and be thankful for who God has made you to be. That's why it was important this morning that we got a breakthrough and worshipped and connected with God through our gratitude. An ungrateful heart is the worst thing to get you out on the back paddocks. Just understand this, that God is so for you, so for you and has got so much for you to partake of by His grace, His righteousness, His holiness, His victory, His destiny for your life. It's all there. But by faith, it needs to be acquired. Galatians 6.4 says, Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride, that is, rejoicing in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's stand. God bless you. Lord, I've preached a message to help your people understand by the renewing of their mind, they can improve their self-image. That it's no longer religion and the law, Lord, that we're trying to appease, but it's by grace. It's by grace. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, we stand humbly before you and accept this grace in which beckons us to live a life of victory, to overcome every circumstance, to be triumphant, to overcome life's struggles, to overcome the circumstances of life, every sickness, every curse, every struggle. Lord, I stand before you your righteousness in me. Your grace is for me. And by faith right now, Lord, I want you to pray this with your heart of hearts. I receive a divine impartation. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I receive a divine impartation of your spirit into my heart that I may follow you, live for you all the days of my life. Jesus, I stand before you. I put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, that I may be able to stand my ground. And after I've done everything to stand, I will stand, Lord, with the belt of truth buckled around my waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with my feet
fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, I take up the shield of faith which I can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Jesus, I take this armor which is you and I put it on myself. I place it upon myself to stand in these days. I need more than myself. I need grace. I need grace. I need grace. I need your grace. I need your righteousness. I need your anointing. I need your life. Forgive me, Lord, if I've tried to appease you. Forgive me, Lord, if I've become religious. By grace, I am set free. You may be in the house um, just wondering where you stand with God. It's as simple as, as this, that if you can believe Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, if you can believe that He paid a price for your salvation, that you are forgiven, that you are set free by what He did on the cross, if you can say that from your heart of hearts, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And if you can ask Him for forgiveness of your sins, you can be saved. You can be saved into grace land. You can be saved into your destiny. You can be saved out of condemnation, out of lack of self-esteem. You can be saved into the presence of God. Is that